Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding? The land of Facebook ads and Google searches and building crowdfunding pages and getting Kickstarter backers and Indiegogo pledges and all that sort of stuff. So I hope everybody is having a great week. Um, I can tell you, we are lining up a bunch of new episodes for Successfully Funded. So um, it's been a little slow there for a while. I don't know why, but we are picking steam up again here. So we're going to have a a healthy amount of of, uh, projects that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks here. Uh, But before we talk about that, let's go ahead and jump into who is on today's episode. I know that's what everybody's waiting for, right? Uh, So here's what we got here. Uh, we are talking to Mina Yu, and we're going to be talking about her company, Heroclip, and her very successful Indiegogo campaign. Uh, Mina is no stranger to the entrepreneur world. She, is, uh, she was just a, a wealth of knowledge and information uh, about startups and how she created her company. And I'll tell you, it, it was a great, great conversation that uh, I, I'm, I was excited about, right? It was exciting to, uh, to kind of be of like minds, right, on a, on a call. So, that interview is coming up here in a little bit, so definitely stay tuned. But before we get to that interview, let's go ahead and jump into what's been going, what's been going on around here. So you know things have been a little up and down. Yesterday was a real like just an absolute Debbie Downer day, and I don't know what it was. It's just like I ran into a absolute funk train, and uh, you know I'm trying to shake it today. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it was a something I ate. I don't know what it is, but. It, I think it's a good thing to talk about just because in this land of entrepreneurship, you know, man, sometimes you just roll into a day where it is not going on, right? And those have been popping up, even though we had a very successful campaign end last night called Backbeat, where we crossed uh, just under $130,000 for a uh, bass guitar product. So uh, very proud about that work. So I do have to kind of stand back and and celebrate that as a win because it definitely was. Um, but you know, still, man, these ups and downs that you have—they um, can really torment uh, torment your your company sometimes, right? You don't want to make decisions based on that. You don't want to be rash. You want to just be level headed, and it's tough to find that sort of stuff. So that was definitely me yesterday. Uh, so another interesting interesting uh, thing that happened. So last Friday, I. I threw a roller skating party for adults only. Um, yes, that's right, a roller skating party. And the uh, only rules were that you needed to dress up, right? We wanted you to wear, like, 1980s attire. So uh, so we didn't have that many people show up. That's fine. It happens. Uh, but, you know, the uh, but one of my good buddies did show up. So it was kind of interesting. Um, so this was just a random party. There was nothing special out outside of just us having a party, right? And uh, and going roller skating and then going to this sort of uh, old school bar um, dressed in 80s attire. So when we get there, my buddy shows up and he's like, hey, you know, I know it's a little late, but uh, happy birthday, man. And he gives me a gift certificate to uh, a local brewery, which is awesome. That's great. I'll definitely use that at dad's beer night. Um, but it's not my birthday. And my birthday was in November. So now I'm in an interesting situation where I'm not exactly sure what my next steps are if I should tell him, hey, I appreciate the you know gift certificate for, for my birthday, but my birthday was in November, um, and we are in April, so um, 
Are we in April? Yeah, we're in the end of April, almost May. So, yeah. Um, so now I'm like, well, wait a minute. When, when my actual birthday pops up on Facebook in November, and he, you know, we are clearly friends on Facebook, he's going to be like, wait a minute. I just, I thought this guy's birthday was in April. So, so yeah, I'm in a weird scenario. I don't know what to do about it. My one buddy told me just to address it, just to go, hey, I appreciate this, but I just want to let you know it's not my birthday. And I don't know. That seems like a little, I don't know. It feels presumptuous. Maybe... Maybe it was just he realized my birthday was six months ago and, you know, seven months ago now. I guess seven months ago. Maybe he just thought I should get a birthday present. I don't know. So that happened Friday night, which was just fun. But, uh, Tony, thank you. I appreciate it uh, for my birthday. Uh, and I will definitely, definitely use that gift certificate uh, soon, very, very soon. Uh, so that was that was something. But, um so yeah, other than that, you know, it's been pretty low key around here. You know, we're just kind of in that, you know, sort of that early spring vibe. We've had floods at my house. We have been, uh, my landlords have been here every day working on this patio problem. So, you know, cause we've got a lot of, uh, we've had two floods in like 60 days in my house. So that's not fun. Um, we are in an up and down right now too, where I'm not exactly sure, like, should we buy a house? We're thinking about that, you know, trying to, man, it just feels like a lot of stuff's up in the air and I, I want to just like lock some stuff down like hey we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do that and that's what's gonna happen but it just doesn't seem like that's reality right now but um okay so let's get to my conversations here with with mina and uh and talk about hero clip but before we do that you know i mean i think i've said that like three or four times i don't know that's my default setting i guess in in this intro um i need you guys to do some stuff right you probably know a friend that might like this episode, right? Or who likes crowdfunding or who's got a business. Tell them about Successfully Funded. Show them the iTunes link. If you're listening to this, everybody's got one friend, right? You got one friend that I guarantee would be into this episode or what I'm doing over here at Successfully Funded. So tell them about it. Um, If you want to leave a review, those are very, very helpful on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your iPad, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Go leave us a uh, review. That would be, um, uh, I would be grateful for that. And if you need more Jeff Wenzel, did you know that there's another podcast? That's right. It's called Gawker Backer. Um, That's also on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you get your, um, your, uh, your podcast. Go subscribe to that as well. That episode is different than this. So as you guys know, in Successfully Funded, we talk to project creators while they're in the middle of their campaign. That way we're getting like the most up-to-date information. And it's a little bit of a more of a longer format. On Gawker Backer, I am literally talking to entrepreneurs or people in startup, and I don't know who they are. It's a complete stranger, and I, I there's no prep time. I literally pop up my phone. It's almost like improvise, uh, um, uh, you know, improvising. And I, boom, I'm in a conversation within four or five minutes. If you listen to the last episode of Gawker Backer, I met a 19-year-old student just thinking about getting into entrepreneurship in the music world and music business. And randomly, we found each other. He's out of Orlando. Uh, Sawyer was his name. And we had a great conversation. Um, I also, uh, because it's called Gawker Backer, I talk about three or four campaigns that I'm currently backing that I'm just into. So fun episodes. They come out twice a week. Different concept. But if you want to subscribe to that, go over that as well. And if you need even more Jeff Wenzel, and there might be some of you out there, and if you are that, a little creepy, but that's cool. If you need a little bit more Jeff Wenzel, go listen to me on the Standcast, uh, Stan Magazine, a magazine for men who give a damn. Uh, I am featured on quite a bit of those episodes over there. I'm one of the co-hosts on it. And uh, we talk about father issues, dad issues, what's going on with men and masculinity. And uh, that is our other, my other podcast. A lot of talking, right? A lot of talking. So, 
Let's put that aside. Those are some of the some of the tasks and the call to actions I need you to do. But now let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Mina and let's talk about Hero Clip and entrepreneurship. Yeah, let's go do it. Here we go. Don't put up a fight. It's gonna be all right, baby. All right. Well, the red light is on, Mina. Uh, so. Why don't we start with a quick, uh, quick sound check here? So why don't you tell my listeners what you had for breakfast this morning? Okay, I actually just finished it, and I had eggs with some feta cheese and salsa and some turkey bacon. That sounds tasty. <laughs> I know. Uh, what kind of beverage? Um, coffee, of course. Okay. All right. Well, how do you take your coffee? Iced <laughs> with almond milk. Oh. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, I think we're sounding good here. It sounds like a nice, healthy breakfast. So you're probably full of energy, ready to go here. That's so let's right. jump right into it. Um, okay. So why don't you tell my listeners about uh, what you're raising money for on Indiegogo right now? Sure. So we are raising money for um, two additional sizes and patterns of Heroclip. Um, Heroclip is a product that um, is has two patents and it's also crowdfunded itself. We launched it on crowdfunding two and a half years ago and it is um, a multi-tool that allows people to hang anything anywhere. And we've had um, we've been on the market with HeroClip for um, a year or two now, and we've been getting tons of really great responses, but we've also been getting a lot of feedback that, um, you know, people wanted smaller sizes for different things they did. So, um, you know, we love talking to our customers and um, we take their input really seriously. So we decided to launch them and, and to do it by um, crowdfunding. That's cool. Well, you know, for our listeners who aren't looking at it right now, can you can you kind of describe, you know, what makes a hero clip? Sure. So, um, you know, it is basically it's been called things like um, a carabiner on steroids. So it okay. is a really slim profile carabiner that um, opens up into a hook which rotates um, and has a rubber tip so it can rest on things like um, tables and rocks and basically kind of flat surfaces. Um, And then um, when you're done using it, you fold it back into the carabiner and go on your merry way. That's cool. And, and what is it like made out of? Um, is it a special kind of metal or something? Yeah, it's made out of um, aircraft grade aluminum. And one thing that's really cool about our product is that um, it is made out of solid aluminum. So hmm. uh, it's literally like cut out of solid aluminum. So it looks great and it is strong. And um, yeah, uh, you know, people who hold it, they're like, oh my God, this is such a premium quality. Hmm. And that's really important to us. Sure, yeah, I, I, I would imagine. So, so you mentioned that you've this. This is kind of a version. Is it a version two point A version three point Where are you in the process of it right now? So um, we so Hero Clip is version two So the models we're releasing are of the same line, the two line. However, they are smaller sizes, and we are releasing different patterns. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. I see. So where kind of was the idea of this? Like where, where does this whole process start a couple years ago? H- how do you get into making uh, clips? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I actually don't have a background in product development or design or manufacturing at all. I actually was a professor of entrepreneurship here at the University of Washington Foster Business mm. School. And um, I had actually decided to leave um, the profession anyway way um, for you know various reasons but then um, it coincided with me having a baby and then after having the baby I decided to um, to get back into shape by climbing Mount Rainier which is um, the most glaciated peak in the uh, 48th contiguous states so mm-hmm. what I realized was that for both of these things I was always lugging a lot of stuff and um, the ground was not always the best option when I wanted to take a load off. So um, my conclusion was that, you know, people should have more than two hands, but that wasn't possible. So um, I set out to um, kind of make an extra hand in the simplest way possible so that it can help. It could help me or anybody else carrying a lot of um, gear, not just to carry them, but also when they're taking a load off um, because it will keep mm-hmm. your stuff tethered and secure and off the ground and, you know, pretty much exactly where you want it. And because of the 360 degree rotation, you can also access your stuff really easily once you have hung up your, you know, your gear. Sure. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. So is this something that I guess you, in your mind thought this was going to strictly be for like a rock climber or, 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 or something along those lines, or did you have more people in mind? When you, when you no, thought, thought about um, so this is not climbing gear. Um, this is for your climbing gear. Um, so it's not for people. And, you know, when I launched this, I thought my biggest markets would be somebody like myself, you know, a parent and also somebody who loves um, being outdoors. Um, and, you know, what, happened was that, uh, yes, these groups of people really uh, find the hero clip useful, but it turns out they're, the market's so much bigger. Um, we've had mm. people kind of like contractor types in the construction field hang like hang paint cans and buckets off of ladders and gutters. Oh. Um, we've had people hang right. their bicycles. Um, people use it to hang stuff off their suitcase handles. Um, we just feel like... Uh, it's just really limitless, the kind of person who can use our product. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't think about the construction. I, that, I bet that is a huge, huge part of a huge industry that you could tap into. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, you know, so how do you, I mean, obviously you're a professor, so you have some ideas on this, but what was sort of the first steps after you realized, all right, I think I have an idea here that I want to jump into what was the first steps out of the game? Well, the, I spent about six months trying to convince myself not to pursue this idea because I was super busy. Um, I was actually working. Um, I had another, I had co-founded another startup at the time. And um, I just told myself, you don't know anything about develop, product development. You don't know anything about manufacturing. You have a lot going on. Um, and but, you know, I couldn't get it out of my head, basically. And I really felt the need on a kind of on a daily basis, you know. So um, the first thing I did was I made prototypes out of cardboard and then it was like moldable plastic. And then I found an ironsmith who um, 
named Tabasco, who uh, made my early prototype. And then, um, and then I got a bunch of feedback and I decided that I was in a position where I could invest a little bit of um, my savings to hiring an actual product designer. So um, that was the next step. And then um, we made a ton of 3D prototypes, tested them, and then finally um, metal prototypes, found a manufacturer, and then um, crowdfunded. Wow, that's cool. So uh, where did you first crowdfund this on? Um, I started out on Kickstarter. So um, the crowdfunding campaign that's going on now is our third. So we launched um, the version... uh, version 1.0 on Kickstarter up in late 2014. And what's been like the biggest change from, you know, 2014 crowdfunding to now from Kickstarter, Indiegogo, what, what's the big differences that you've seen? Um, just in general, you mean? Yeah. Just in general, like, like has the, uh, platforms changed much? Has social media changed? Has your strategy changed? What, what's been the biggest difference? Yeah. So um, when I launched Kickstarter, um, we basically had no social media presence. So um, back in 2014, crowdfunding was um, still relatively novel. And um, most of our um, pledges were driven by my personal network and Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then, you know, fast forward two years when I did another crowdfunding campaign, this time on Indiegogo, um, I had, you know, obviously my backer list from Kickstarter. Um, I actually had somebody who was doing some social media for me. So um, at that point, um, it was driven, it was more driven by um, kind of ads, not, not ads, but um people beyond my social network and the platform. Right, right. And, um, and this time, you know, that percentage is even larger. But I feel like, uh, so that was my experience. And uh, like, I was looking at my campaign insights from my last campaign, and I saw that it was like um, 78% of my um, funds came from Indiegogo in some form. Whereas, you know, this time, you know, we're not done with the campaign, obviously, but this time the percentage that came from other sources beyond Indiegogo is a, is a lot higher. Mm. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, like, where'd you grow up? Oh, um, I grew up kind of all over. I was born in Seoul, Korea. And then um, when I was six, I moved to UAE, um, Dubai, the Arab Emirates, Mm. then moved to Indonesia and then um, graduated from high school there and came to the U.S. for college. And I've been here ever since. Wow. Wow. So what did your parents do? My dad um, worked at a Korean multinational conglomerate. So he was posted in different countries. Hmm. And my mom, okay. um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a while, and then when her kids went to school, she um, to college, she became a real estate developer. Okay, so w- was there sort of the entrepreneur spirit in your house, or like h- how did you get into this sort of field and, and study and stuff like that? You know, um, so so my. Um, Yes and no. So um, the yes part is um, my parents are big supporters of um, entrepreneurship and um, just um, um, self-employment in general. However, um, 
the 60s and 70s um, in Korea, the country was really run by large companies. So I feel like they had limited opportunity to be able to start something. Mm. So um, so that's the path uh, my dad took working at a large company. But he has always, and my mom too, supported um, small business owners that we knew of. So I think it kind of... Um, you know, kind of growing up in an environment where small business owners and entrepreneurs were um, kind of um, regarded highly. And and then um, I went off to college and instead of doing the whole like Wall Street thing, I decided to go work at a startup. Mm. And um, the startup was so eye-opening to me, I decided to go um, do a doctorate on entrepreneurship. And that's how I became a professor. That's great. That's awesome. So since you're around entrepreneurship all the time, you might be the best person to ask on this. Do you find that there's a certain trait that all successful entrepreneurs have, um, you know, kind of across the board? Is there something that, that kind of sticks out in your mind about that? Well, you know what? That is actually one of the largest areas of research in the field of entrepreneurship. Like, can entrepreneurs be made or are they born that way with certain mm-hmm. traits? And, um, you know, based on, and I think the jury's still out. Um, it's probably some com- combination of both, like most things in life. Mm-hmm. But um, I do feel like, um, you know, entrepreneurs and you've probably heard this before, but um, they're not necessarily bigger risk takers, but I feel like, um, you know, once they take a risk, they're, um, they, you know, obviously work really hard to mitigate it, but they're also very adaptive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you set out starting your company to do one thing and, you know, you take risks doing that and you work your butt off to make that happen. But if, things change, you know, the world is always changing or, you know, something in your life changed or whatever, you just pivot to make it work and not just drop everything. Sure, sure. So on the flip side of that, is there something that you see from people who maybe start companies and they, you know, it ultimately it fails? Is there, is there a trade or something like that that you see like, boy, if, if you're like that, then don't start a business type of thing. Anything that you can think of like around those? Oh, God. There, yes, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I don't even know where to begin. Okay. Um, people who should not have started their businesses because they just um, lost millions of dollars of their investors' money. <laughs> That's what you're asking, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I, you know, hmm. Oh my God. Um, okay. I, okay. Let me try to cat- put them into certain categories. I feel like some people who, um, who don't make it, it is um, partially because they are not necessarily growing too fast, but they've had um, unrealistic expectations placed upon them. And this is not always just the entrepreneur's fault. Sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've seen this as well, like a company, goes to raise money or comes out on the market. And, you know, there are, you know, all these expectations about how fast this company should grow and how good their product should be. And I feel like um, those expectations set up the business for failure. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. we can both come up with several examples of, you know, multi-million dollar crowdfunding campaigns that weren't able to deliver or are delivering Mm -hmm. crap or delivering like four years late, you know, um, 
So I feel like expectation management is one of them. And the other one is, you know, sometimes um, the entrepreneur really doesn't know um, the field they're in and um, haven't really necessarily surrounded themselves with people who know the area. Right, and right. Um, I feel like it's really easy to come up with an idea and with crowdfunding is, um, you know, it's much easier to get started than it was 10 years ago, but um, you still have to become an expert of your domain and surround yourself with people who know the various um, aspects of running a business in this particular industry well. Sure, sure. No, I, think th- I think those are all great answers. So for you personally, you know, I mean, you're obviously in the middle of a campaign. You, you, you've ran a few, uh, you've, it sounds like you've got a, a child, you're busy, a lot of stuff going on. What do you do to stay organized uh, through all the chaos? Uh, do you have any kind of best practices that you follow just to, to stay on top of everything? Um, sure. Uh, I actually have two kids, so um, double the work. But, um, you know, I, I'll just um, be very personal and say um, we. I do have a lot of help. Um, so we have... I don't know if people want to hear this, but like, you know, there's no way I can do all this right without any help. So we have a lot of help um, at the household level. Um, I have a really supportive husband, but beyond that, the tools we use at the office, um, we're kind of experimenting right now with Slack in combination Mm -hmm. with Kyber. And, um, And we have tried so many task management tools and project management tools, and um, some of them are just too much for us. It's just too cumbersome. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've, we're on week two of Slack plus Kyber, and so far, so good. Yeah. Have you tried Basecamp at all yet? You know, Basecamp is what I started out with um, many, many years ago when I was... Um, working on my other startup. And, um, I felt like what we need is something that, um, that is really responsive and fast. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kyber doesn't, isn't, isn't a project management tool. It's a task management tool, but for project management, we're still small enough such that we can, um, you know, we're kind of using a Google sheet to kind of track those yeah, things. Right. But do you like, yeah. do you like Basecamp? So we we have tried almost everything here, and we're a team of seven, mm-hmm. and we actually f- settled on Basecamp three. So I don't know how much if you've checked out three, but oh, I'm gonna it make basically streamlined. Yeah, it streamlined every single tool. So we started on Slack and Asana. Uh huh. Um, That's what we were on too. <laughs> and again, yeah, and and it just we ran into a roadblock because you know we're we're an agency, so I'll have sometimes fifteen to twenty clients plus seven people. You know, we got to stay organized. Right. Um, and then we were paying for Dropbox. Then we were paying for Slack. Then we were paying for Asana. And we realized like everything is inside of Basecamp 3. So we just dropped everything in there. And it actually streamlined really effect- uh, efficiently for everybody. Um, I don't know. It, it, I know that there was a lot of people that started on Basecamp 1 and 2 had some issues. But 3 really is solid. So I don't know, that's our own little oh, personal. Yeah. You know, I'll check it out here, because but. we use Google Drive. And you know, being an agency, you probably have a lot of assets as well. So, so are you are you organizing those on Basecamp too? Yeah, so so we can do both. It, it integrates into Google. So some clients will send us everything in Google, and that's fine. But otherwise, in Basecamp, they have the equivalent of like a, it's their docs and files, and uh, it's like a Dropbox or you know any sort of cloud thing. And and I just organize my folders in there. And I, I have everybody load everything into that, so I don't have to go to another tool to find something. You know, um, right? So, and yeah, do you so, still yeah. use Slack? 
You know what? We actually stopped completely. I was using Slack as a um, more of a um, like a group, almost like a Facebook group that I had. I uh-huh. had crowdfunding people in there, but I ended up just creating it uh, inside of Basecamp, a uh, su- like a crowdfunding support group, and mm-hmm. I just drive people into there. So oh, all my communications are all in the same 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 platform. So it's it was a huge thing for us. I mean, we spent the first two years basically, I think, um, lost on a hundred different. Seriously, tools. right? Yeah, um, and nobody could follow anything, or and especially with Slack, we got really lost when we f- like we got like six clients in like one month, and I could not keep conversations straight in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. So Basecamp was our lifesaver, but we're in the weeds on that. But yeah, I love the project management stuff because we're always trying to stay organized on it. Because right, whew, you know, and especially with if you're a smaller team, and we're remote too. So like my uh, my graphic design guys in Australia and uh-huh. my PR people are in Europe. So um, you know, and then clients are all over the world too. So right, <laughs> it's, it's a, a full time full time thing. Oh, interesting. I will check out Basecamp three, but I'm sure um, I'm worried that my team is going to have a revolt if I change oh, on them again. <laughs> that's, I, I agree. I've had that too. As the guy who makes those decisions, um, exactly. I'm like, I could switch almost every week if I wanted to, but I know. <laughs> uh, but, but no, that's cool. Um, so you know, how about getting away from stuff? I know that's an important thing, like in the entrepreneur world too. Like, what do you do to just kind of decompress or just unwind and get away for just a minute? You know what? That has been a really um, unsuccessful endeavor on my part. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, I, I used to be a major CrossFitter and um, it kind of started with when I um, when I raised money and I had employees. Like I, I used to go to CrossFit like five times a week. And now I find myself um, lucky if I go like once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. This morning I went, by the way, right before nice. my healthy breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I'm turning over a new leaf. But um, yeah, that's been really hard. And, um, you know, I'm trying to at least take most of the weekend off because um, I feel like it's stressful on my team as well when I send like a zillion emails over the weekend, even though sure. they know that I'm not expecting like a reply right away. Um, but it's um, so I'm trying to take. That's the psychological pressure of like, exactly. oh, if you're emailing, I better email too. Exactly. And, you know, I, you know, I don't want them to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, although they know, you know, we're a startup and, you know, the 40 hours a week doesn't really apply. Um, right. but I, um, so on weekends, I, uh, I basically like don't make any plans. Um, I have stopped going out completely. So it's just kind of family. And, um, I always make sure I take a nap every weekend day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's hard. And I look around and, um, I, I do have several, entrepreneur friends who are extremely um, regimented about, um, you know, the quote work-life balance. And I yep. really admire them. And I long for the day when I have that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you always got to be working towards something, right? So. Yeah. How about you? Do you are you uh, able to take time off? I try. Off? No, I try. I, I'm in the same boat. You, you basically just said everything I would say. Like, okay, I, I, I read something on Medium. I'm like, all right, I'll try that, and I'll do it for like three days, and then I'm right back into like, you know, working until one in the morning. Right, or exactly. You know? But then I also, I'm also like, you know, uh, I, I get, re- I get okay with it sometimes because then I'm like, I might take three days off because I just, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling it or something, or I mm-hmm. wasn't 
being creative with Facebook ads or whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden I'll work like, you know, all day for a couple of days, you know, just powering through. So, um, you know, and then I, I want to be flexible because I have two kids too. I have a seven and a four year old. So, you know, if I got a piece out, my, my son, we got sick on Friday. I peace uh-huh. out and I missed the whole afternoon, but I worked Saturday all day. So, right. You know, I mean, the flexibility is nice for sure. My kids are seven and five and, you know, actually today my seven year old is sick. So he's at home, but, um, yeah, but I mean, it's nice to have the flexibility. I agree. Yeah. See, you mentioned like team members, like what did you look for? Um, and I think this is important for like startups and stuff. Uh, like how did you know when you needed to start adding some support and help and what do you look for outside of just what do you look for? Well, um, my first employee, her name is Kira, and um, she has been with me for two and a half years. And at that point, um, I was the only full-time employee and I had used um, part-time contractors here and there, but I felt like I really needed somebody like kind of a jack of or Jane of all trade type who could just help me with whatever I needed help with. And um, she's really awesome because she had worked with other, like her entire adult life, she had worked for entrepreneurs. So she was aware of the fact that, um, you know, in a startup, you have to change hats frequently and you might, you might not get um, really, uh, you know, detailed um, directions, comprehensive instructions, but you kind of have to figure it out and you have to be proactive. So she, um, she has been with me since, and um, the others, the other full-time folks, we're a team of six and one of them is actually going to grad school in June, but um, all of them came on board after I raised my first round of funding last year. I really felt like, um, you know, I wanted to give HeroClip a shot. It, it felt like um, it was in great demand and I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So the various um, functional uh, positions would be like e-commerce and um, wholesale sales. And then um, we also have a graphic designer slash um, videographer uh, uh, in-house as well. Yeah, that's a that's a big one that uh, for I think a lot of people have to add is that that person who can, you know, make the photo do the quick video for social media, website, whatever it might be, that you can't be outsourcing that all the time because it's just... I am so glad you understand because most people who... you know, who are not really um, in consumer product, they're like, why do you need a full-time graphic designer? And, you know, and then I have to go into um, how much quicker it is, more cost-efficient, and you just... um, I mean, everything is about um, graphics and video these days. You it just was, and it's it's every day I make small totally. changes to something. Exactly. I, I mean, like it's every you know, I I could probably do more if I didn't want to like stress out my uh, my one of my team members. So right. Yeah, so well, let, let's flip over to this actual Indiegogo campaign. So sure. um, you know, so you've had obviously <laughs> success in the past, but um, so this campaign, um, you've got eleven days to go while we're when we're talking right now, um, mm-hmm. you're just under 90,000, but you have a ton of backers, uh, you know, 1800 and some odd backers. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was kind of the approach before you launched this campaign? What was the pre-marketing strategy? Mm-hmm. Like how'd you get your ducks in a row before you hit the launch button? Well, um, this time around we were a little bit more organized, um, because the previous two campaigns, I was kind of doing it on my own with some part-time help. So, um, you know, we started out 
by, um, you know, building an email list, which is what everybody tells you to do. And um, because we already have an online store, um, we, we have customers. Um, so, you know, that was really helpful. And then we tried to, um, have all our graphics and images and our kind of stretch goal, um, kind of perks, um, all, all ready to go. But, you know, having said that, like, Every time I go through the site, I find a typo or I find that, you know, some <laughs> error, you know, so um, no matter how much you prep, I feel like is there's going to be something you're going to, you can't take your eyes off of the campaign, you know? Sure, sure. Yep. So it's, it's funny you mentioned that because um, kind of my previous question about sort of a trait. I think entrepreneurs have to have, or if you want to get into crowdfunding is the um, ability to not to be perfect. And, you know, uh, and I find that some, one of the worst traits is the, is the perfectionist who's like, no, it has to be the perfect photo, the perfect Facebook post, the perfect, you know, and it's just not how we work in today's function. It's just like, go fix it. You know, yeah, you'll find a typo, but it, you know, the world's not looking as, as deep as you are. So, you know, it'll be all right. You know what I mean? So I, I always find that it's good to, good to be comfortable with that a little bit. Yeah. And you know, that's something I'm really working hard on because my tendency is want to want to have everything perfect be- before, you know, the world sees it. But um, I'm right. realizing that's just like a fruitless task. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, um, I get into it with people on like Facebook ads. It's, it's like, it's so much testing, right. like it's 90% testing and 10% scaling. So it's like, I, I don't care that you didn't like my 35th ad. I don't, you know, I know. Who cares? I know. You know? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. So it's, but it's, a, it's, but again, that's that give and take and trust and all that sort of stuff with your team. So um, that's cool. So outside of that, was there any like particular, like, you know, just kind of loose numbers you were looking at behind the scenes? So again, thinking that somebody's mm-hmm. getting into crowdfunding, did you, know, did you want to have, a, I don't know, a thousand email subscribers or was there any sort of metrics you were trying to, to go after before you launch? Um, you know, no, um, we really didn't have any metrics, any um, number in terms of email list. Um, we we just knew that we wanted as many as possible. And because this is our third campaign, you know, we have our previous backers who are amazing, by the way. Um, you know, they've just been like so loyal and so evangelistic. Mm-hmm. So um, we didn't really have a number in terms of the email list. Now, we did have some targets for conversion and um, and such. And um, yeah, so and, you know, going back to kind of adapting, uh, we just recently changed our title. Um, the title we had originally was based on um, testing on Facebook. And I just felt like um, it was off. Mm. And, and, and you know, I always felt that way, but I was like, hey, let the data speak, right? But I just couldn't sure, handle sure. it anymore. So we changed it. So three days ago, so we'll see how that affects anything. Interesting, interesting. Um so without maybe while getting into like too much in the weeds on it, was this just like a, a feeling like you just didn't like the language of it or was it just, it just rubbed you wrong? Yeah, I just felt like it wasn't descriptive enough. Um, maybe it was eye-catching, but not descriptive. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it's important, man. You can uh, find those, uh, you know, that one sentence could change everything. So. Right. And, and you know, ju- the jury's still out, but I felt like we could take a risk now because we've already raised almost 90,000. Right, right. So why not try cool. some things? And, you know, if other people on my team have some strong suggestions, then we'll try that too. 
Sure. So, uh, you know, on the Indiegogo too, you have a uh, flexible goal. Um, what was the decision making behind uh, either having a flexible goal or having a, um, um, you know, the fixed brick wall goal? Yeah, the fixed goal. I couldn't find the word for a second. Uh, you know what? I have to tell you, this flexible goal was like a fat finger issue, <laughs> and then we couldn't change it. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah, totally. I tr- um, I was like, what? Why does it say flexible goal? It should be fixed. I mean, kind of going back to um, making mistakes. So, um, and I think that was totally on me and we're like, um, yeah, we couldn't change it. So we left it. (laughs) Okay. That's all right. Um, that's cool. So let's talk a little bit about maybe what the, what the future brings. So, you know, what does the next six months or so look like uh, for Heroclip? Um, so the next six months, obviously we, um, you know, need to deliver and we are working on, um, you know, different partnerships. I don't know if you saw on our, on our website that we have a partnership with empowered, which is an amazing company. Um, I don't know if you're looking at my camp our campaign, mm-hmm. but there's a perk called hero clip times Lucy. Oh yeah. yeah. So, okay. right. yeah. so Lucy is, um, a product from a company called empowered and it's an inflatable solar lantern and they have a really mm. amazing social mission. Their social mission is to bring light like literally and figuratively to developing countries yeah. that don't have electricity. That's great. And, um, you know, you need to hang the Lucy on something. So, use a hero clip. So this is a custom right. design and, um, you know, we're, um, kidding them together. And after the crowdfunding campaign is over, we'll have to kind of reevaluate what we do. And then we have another partnership with, um, insect shield. Um, basically, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have some extremely um, enthusiastic backers and customers and, you know, mm-hmm. they, um, we thought that they might enjoy some really cool hero merchandise like the socks and bandanas. So, you know, we put them on there and we're treating it with insect shields so that, um, they're, um, insect resistant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that seems great. How, How did you, you know, sort of think of these sort of partnerships at all? I mean, is this something that you've been working on just in terms of growth? in general for the company or did they all happen around this Indiegogo? Campaign? Um, no, this is, you know, um, something I've been thinking about in terms of growth because um, we are a funded company and we, we want to grow large. And um, as you know, product development and manufacturing can be very um, time and cost intensive. So one of the things we want to do is work with other small businesses so that it can be a win-win situation where, you know, they get more of an audience, we get more of an audience, and we both get more products to sell that are compatible, of course, and co-brand, brand uh, yeah, on brand. Right, right. That's, that's what I was just going to ask if, if, you know, like, is there, is there um, sort of some, some, internal document that you've set up to kind of think this way in terms of like, does this, if I'm going to partner with this company, they check off four of our key components or or is it kind of just by feeling? No. Um, you know, we have a document, um, we call them our filters. Um, so, you know, no matter how much we love a product, they have to kind of meet, I would say all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. And then, and then from there decide, what what could work and what couldn't work? Do you um, you know is, is there something too where you're looking at a company that 
they're sort of at the same level as you, that they're not too big or they're not too small? Do you try to find try to find that as well? Yes. Um, yes, we do. Um, and I think that's where we can have the most um, fruitful kind of relationship where we're both benefiting. Um, but we have also been approached by uh, much, 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 much larger companies who want to work with us. So, you know, we are not really um, eliminating any, um, any kind, type of company based on size. But, um, you know, when we actually go out to look for partners, we're mainly looking at um, kind of smaller companies for now. Sure, sure. Well, let, let's, let's walk out five years. What, what do you see for the, like the long-term future? Um, is this something that you kind of envision you're always working on or do you have other companies in mind? Kind of what, you know, what's well, uh, probably just like you, I have a zillion other ideas, right? And some are like not consumer product. Some are more kind of social entrepreneurship based. And in five years, I would, um, I would, exp- I would love for Hero Clip. Um, we actually will, as we release more products, will become Hero Gear. Hero, we want Hero Gear to be kind of a lifestyle brand um, that is very recognizable. I mean, like yet, you know, Yeti, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Exactly. So um, we want people to have that response when somebody says, you know, hero gear, right? And then they're like, of course. So um, we want to um, become a company that makes tools to make um, being active and getting outdoors easier and not limit ourselves to just clips. That's cool. I I forgot to ask, uh, are you in stores or are you all online right now? Um, We are in stores. We are at REI. Um, We're at Brookstone. Um, We're also at Amazon. We were at, um, we're also at some Ace hardware locations. And um, Hmm. yeah, we are um, using kind of an omni-channel approach. So we don't want to be just online or just wholesale. Sure. Right, right. I, I think that's smart. Um, and is that something that you're kind of, in your mind as a business, are you thinking of crowdfunding as like proving market viability a little bit? Bef- you know, or or does every product can go at REI or, or or like how does crowdfunding in your mind fit into the whole equation? Well, for me, is um, is it was market validation, but I feel like um, you know we've sold. Um, like 250,000 units of hero clip already. So we, I feel like we have some good market validation already, but yeah. um, for us, crowdfunding is a tool, not just to raise money, but just to, but also to build a relationship for our customers because crowdfunding backers are, you know, different from the person who buys your product yeah. on Amazon. Right. And we really yeah. find those customers to be really valuable. And, um, yeah. and for us, crowdfunding is, um, kind of another e-commerce channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to, whenever I get a new client or a new potential lead, it's, it's so hard to describe that it's a different buyer, mm-hmm. you, you know, like it's just, there's different rules it's not just e-commerce, it's something else. It's, and I think you mentioned it's like those insiders, the evangelical type vibe, they're just so into it. And it's, you know, totally. and, and they're the ones that are kind of the uh, 2018 street team for you to some degree, you know, they're out. Totally. (laughs) It's so true. And um, yeah, I mean, I just can't, you know, um, thank our backers enough to be, 
to be like, I'm not just saying that but because I'm running a crowdfunding <laughs> campaign now, but I mean, it's really true. Um, we really wouldn't exist as a company without, you know, our crowdfunding backers and they That's come pretty- back and they come back and buy mm-hmm. like, you know, 10 more to use as Christmas gifts. And, you know, if they have suggestions, they let you know, they send you photos and they talk about you. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. Well, I know, uh, you're, you're, you're giving me all my ammunition for when I'm doing lead gen because uh, I always tell people too, they're like, why would I spend that on like getting an audience like for Facebook ads or whatever? I'm like, they'll buy from you for like the next, I don't know, two years, three years. It's, you know, you just don't know how, how important they are until you get an actual successful campaign behind you. Yeah, I mean, these are people who will pay now to get a product in like four or five months. Right, I know. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and they're taking a risk. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm really, really upset with all the comp- crowdfunding campaigns who never deliver because I feel like they give um, crowdfunding a bad name. Oh, I agree completely. I if you listen to any of my podcasts or my rants, that's what I'm mostly oh, on right wait. now. Where it's like, where I'm just like, you guys are killing it for a lot of companies, and and for some companies, there's no there's no other option, right? They're not going to get a bank loan. They might right. not have an idea that's great for VC, you know. But they still have a good product, you know. So right. just because they're not a hockey stick and they're not a unicorn, well, what's their option, you know? Right. So and 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 it is like you said too. Yeah, crowdfunding is still challenging, but you at least have a pretty decent option to at least get some funding and get a win behind you. So totally. Um, and if it fails, you know, you might want to reconsider. What's well, going right, on? That's, I, I agree on that one too. We had, uh, you know, we had a client that that ultimately failed, but it wasn't on our end. It was that the the whole market changed. It was a cell phone product, right? Oh, and uh-huh. basically, an Apple update in the time we were working together, Apple oh, updated no. their offering. And killed this company, but I was like, oh. "Thank God you didn't order two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth right. of stuff from China." Like, so yeah, you're out. You're out some money. There's no doubt about it. I'm not denying that, mm-hmm. but it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> you know, you totally, know. totally. Uh, so, and, and at some point, people feel that you know they'll get it at, at some point. So. So your agency, um, I apologize that, you know, I haven't done a ton of research on oh, it, but right. you guys, no do, you, do you exclusively work with crowdfunding campaigns? So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're about 90% crowdfunding and a little 10% of just some digital marketing here and there. So, but yeah, I've been doing this since 2009. Uh, you know, we had a great run in with Perry Chen before Kickstarter even launched. He was in Detroit, actually, at like a, just like at a tech night. And we were talking about what, how we envision crowdfunding. And he's like, you've got to see this thing that I'm going to be building here. Wow. You know, and then, yeah. So, so we, we, go, we go way back uh, in this world. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's what we do here. That's amazing. Um, so I'm sorry to do this, but do you see any quick things that we can improve upon? Uh, no, I, I, no, I thought it was a great page. Um, the video was awesome. It felt fun. It felt loose. My only question, I kind of, the flexible goal is, was the only one I was like, huh, that's interesting because I'm not a huge fan of flexible right. goal, but we answered that. So, no, I, I think it's a, it's a great campaign. It, 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 it looked fun. I see why you're having success. Um, you know, so no, it, no, it's, it, there's a lot of wins on it. Okay. So. Well, thank you. And, um, yeah, no yeah, and um, yeah. Next time we do a crowdfunding campaign, you know, we should chat. Oh, of course, yeah, that'd be great. Well, let, let's let's get people. Where can people find out more information? How do people dive into your world outside of the Indiegogo campaign? How, how do people? Sure. Find so our website is myheroclip.com, and um, yeah, we would love it if people checked us out. 
Great, great. Well, I will send some traffic that way. Hopefully people will get into it. But uh, I mean, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day. And I know it's busy, but uh, this is a great conversation. And, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. Thank you. And I have to tell you, you asked some good questions. Oh, excellent. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. Let's keep in touch. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, what an awesome conversation. Mina, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to to talk to me and my listeners. Um, I know it's it's hard when you're in the middle of a campaign and when you got a lot of stuff going on, but it was a great, great conversation. Hopefully all of you listeners out there, go check out Hero Clip now over on Indiegogo. Um, become a supporter if you're looking for like that uh, unique industrial clip that helps you keep everything organized, man. This is great. Um, song to listen to is a song called Say You Will. It's a little bit more of a sexy song out there that I wrote a long time ago from the Sugar People Collection. You can find this song over on Spotify now. And I uh, hope you guys have a great week. And uh, like I said, we're going to have a lot of episodes coming, so stay tuned. Maybe put me back in the rotation if, if I fell out because uh, we got a lot coming at you. So, all right, guys, have a great rest of the day. Talk to you later. The situation might get out of hand tonight. The jukebox in the corners Playing a song and memories flooding Now it's unbearable But I'll take memories over the burden Placed on my shoulders To love you with a broken heart Don't put up a fight It's gonna be Baby